This episode is produced in part by Keep It 100 Productions, a podcast and video production company that specializes in sharing stories of everyday people. Whether you're looking to start your show or need assistance with the upkeep and editing, Keep It 100 Productions will provide a solution that is custom built for your needs. To learn more, visit keepit100prod.com. That's keepit100, the numbers 100prod.com. Welcome to What's On Your Mind with me, Jannie Rath. Welcome to another Mental Health Monday episode. Today features Marissa Kred, who speaks about her experience navigating something called trichotillomania, which is commonly known as the hair pulling disorder. This is a really interesting episode and listening back, you'll you'll hear it in my voice. Marissa is actually somebody that is someone that I've known since childhood. We were in grade school together and I think it's just a reminder that you never know what people are experiencing in life. You know, people show and they show up, let's say 80% of themselves and that missing 20% that you don't see could really be impacting somebody. So This was just a really wonderful conversation. And again, just a reminder that especially as we are recording these Mental Health Monday episodes, that everybody out there has a story. Maybe not everybody is dealing with something that is directly impacting their mental health. My assumption is that most people are. But um, yeah, I think it's just a reminder of treating people like people, give people benefit of the doubt because you have no idea what's going on in someone's life that is impacting them. So anyway, uh, enjoy this episode. And thank you, Marissa, for sharing. Hey, Marissa, what's on your mind? Hi, thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, So I would like to talk today about my journey with something called trichotillomania. Trichotillomania is a hair pulling disorder. So I'll get into my story, but maybe first, just since I don't think a lot of people have heard about it, maybe I'll just first explain kind of what it is. And then um, I'll share about my personal history with it. So trichotillomania, like I said, is a hair pulling disorder. So somebody who has this disorder might pull out their hair when they're in distress, when they're feeling anxious, even when they're feeling bored. That's a common state where somebody might pull out their hair and um, they might pull it out from their head, their eyelashes, their eyebrows, even their pubic hair, arm hair, leg hair. So it really depends on the person. Like for me, I pull out from my um, eyelashes and my eyebrows primarily, but somebody might only pull from like their scalp, for example. And I think something important to mention, which can feel confusing for somebody who doesn't have trichotillomania is that it actually doesn't hurt when you pull out your hair, like it would for somebody who doesn't have trichotillomania. And so what it feels like is you get this urge to pull out a hair, almost like an itch that you want to scratch really bad. And it feels like if you just scratch that itch, that whatever bad feelings you're feeling inside will be soothed. And so when you pull, you actually get like a little jolt of pleasure even. So it really doesn't hurt. It actually feels good. Um, Ultimately, it doesn't feel great because a lot of times there's feelings of shame and that sort of stuff that comes with it. But the actual like physical part of pulling it out feels great (laughs) in the moment. And it doesn't last very long, though. So as soon as you pull, you're kind of looking for that next jolt it can kind of become a spiral where once you start pulling, you just keep on going in order to try to um, feel better. But, you know, it's kind of an endless pit. It never actually makes you feel better. There's a whole range of experiences for people who have trichotillomania. 
a lot of people have it and don't even know because it really doesn't even interrupt their life at all. Like they might pull out an eyelash or a head hair like here or there, but there's no noticeable like um, physical signs. There's no bald spots. They don't even really notice that they do it. And so a lot of people are in that boat and they might not even realize that they're on the low end of this disorder. Whereas on the high end, it can be quite severe. Somebody could um, spend hours in the bathroom, pulling out their hair, kind of stuck in the spiral. They might end up with huge bald spots um, that really impact their life. They could be, be highly socially anxious about going out because Oh, what if, you know, everyone, people who have the more severe kind of trichotillomania often have kind of ways of coping. So for example, wearing wigs or maybe wearing their hair in a certain style that would cover the bald spot. A lot of things might come up like maybe there's a pool party or maybe, you know, there's who knows, like going to a roller coaster, uh, you know, what are they called? Like a theme park or I don't know, who knows? There's so many different scenarios that could come up that could cause somebody anxiety because they're going to feel exposed and maybe people will say something and they're not going to be able to hide. And so it can be very, very disruptive um, for people um, who have the more severe form. I think I'm somewhere, you know, in the middle. It's definitely disrupted my life, but luckily, I feel very lucky that it hasn't stopped me from being able to do the things that I want to do. It was hard, especially like in middle school and high school when you care so much about what people think and you care so much about your appearance that if I I had my eyebrow makeup that I did and the pool party scenario, also a sleepover is a big one. So you're like, your makeup will rub off on the pillow. And if you didn't come prepared with your things, so I'd like try to sneak out before everyone woke up to reach all my eyebrows and things like that. And so it definitely created anxiety, but it didn't stop me from doing the things I wanted to do, which for some people it can, it can really disrupt their life. So yeah, my experience has been somewhere sort of. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm glad um, I was actually pulling it up because I wanted to know how to spell it. Trichotillomania. Is that, is that the word? Yeah, that's correct. Well said. Yeah. Very, yeah. It took me a while to learn how to say it because <laughs> it's such a strange word, but um, it kind of falls in the same family as, um, I think it's dermatillomania is how it's said. It's somebody who maybe picks up their skin um, at scabs, at pimples, kind of compulsively, you know, which is something I think a lot of us do, but um, somebody who has this might do it as a way to soothe and might be stuck doing it for a very long time. So they, the mental health community has had trouble kind of like figuring out where it fits. At times it's been labeled as self-harm, which it's no longer kind of put in that category. Now it's more seen as sort of like an OCD type of behavior. And there's even a new term for it now, which is BRFB, a body-focused repetitive behavior, where things like lip biting, skin picking, hair pulling. So they've kind of made a whole new category um, for it in the mental health world, but there's just really not a lot of research on this. And it's still like, it's just not widely talked about or known. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I also should say, like, I just to put this out there, like, we knew each other in middle school, too. So I think this also goes to show like, you don't, you never know what people are dealing with. How many times do people pass each other in the hallways when you're, when you're kids, and you know, you just have, you have no idea, like the things that people are dealing with on a daily basis. So I guess, you know, going, going back to that time, obviously, that was something that you were experiencing at that time, and guessing you didn't have obviously the knowledge or the words to, to put at, at that time. What was the time span between 
kind of realizing that you were having this experience that other people didn't and then having the like I don't know if it was a diagnosis or when did you kind of put that term to it and realize that oh it's it's actually something that um is you know in line with like a mental melted mental illness or like a body body touching disorder like you said yeah yeah thanks for asking that so I started pulling I, I can't remember exactly but it was like when I was like 11 or 12 like middle school like I said and that's a pretty common time for if it's going to develop it's a pretty common time for it to develop I'm not sure exactly why and so I was pulling out my hair for few years, I would say until I was a sophomore in high school is when I finally figured out that what I did had a name. I had no idea why I was doing what I was doing. I knew that it was a disorder. I had no idea why do I do this thing? It feels like I don't have a choice, but I must have a choice. I must be choosing to pull out my hair because I am, you know, it's just so confusing. And I think the, the way that I discovered that, that it had a name is that I went through like a pulling cycle. I pulled out so many eyelashes. I was feeling pretty distraught about it. And so I Googled, how long does it take for eyelashes to grow back? And somewhere in the search, in the first few results, said something about like, do you have trichotillomania? I was like, what? And so I clicked on that and it was like, you know, it was like, uh, everything became clear so quickly. It's just like, oh my gosh, what I do has a name. Other people do it. There's information about it. I can read about it. It's just nobody knew, like my family didn't know. No one had ever mentioned it before. And so it was just this really confusing time. And so when I found that this thing had a name, it was really relieving, actually. Like I felt, yeah, just less alone. And I was like connected to resources all of a sudden. I I sent for like pamphlets, because I guess that's a thing we did back then. I don't know. But like, I asked for pamphlets from us, um, trichotillomania center that came in the mail. And um, I read all the websites, there were forums of other people who had it, you could talk about it. And so that was, yeah, just a big aha moment. And I remember forwarding my mom the emails, like, this is what I have, this is why I do this. Because she was also very confused as why I was doing this. And so, yeah, so that was, that was how I found out. So several years of being kind of in the dark about it. And then finally understanding it. Yeah, I know this is probably nowhere in a similar vein, but I had a similar aha for me when I, my brain thinks differently than different people. And I didn't know why. And it wasn't until grad school that I learned that I have dyslexia. And it was the same feeling of when I finally like, it was again, by total accident, I was actually sitting somewhere where I saw a brochure. And I was like, that brochure like weirdly resonates with me. Yeah, (laughs) picked it up and I was like oh my gosh so I I at least can empathize with that feeling of finally seeing language that resonates with you and I know for me I definitely kind of felt like a little more seen like I was like oh like I guess I'm not as weird as I thought I was because clearly there's a brochure that encapsulates this meaning that there are other people like me completely yeah what you said resonates so much yeah that's exactly how it felt it's just like okay I'm not just like this freak and the only person who does this like there's a whole thing around it yeah the fact that there's even a brochure in the first place or a center that deals with these things okay it's a thing it's fine it's okay yeah. and I want to um and if this is like too painful to talk about we can totally gloss over it but I just want to acknowledge that you know you talked a lot about especially in middle school the like the hiding or the shame and the things that tied around to, to body image and things like that I'd love to kind of know how you've 
navigated that over the past few years, if you're willing to to talk about it? Yeah. So I feel very lucky that I was like a very outgoing kind of kid. So it's like, even though I definitely experienced like shame and social anxiety and just, yeah, worrying about how I was going to be perceived or if my makeup had rubbed off, that sort of thing. I didn't let it stop me. I, I was able to still do everything I wanted to do, but it was like, it just felt like this thing that I couldn't talk about that no one would understand if I if I did. Like, I remember, you know, I wasn't in middle school and, and early high school, I wasn't great at the makeup yet. So it's like my eyebrows looked, you know, very drawn on. And because I didn't feel like I could talk about it with anyone, I just remember the memories of like having people in high school coming, trying to like rub my makeup off. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, what are you doing? Like, so just, yeah, just, just kind of like feeling embarrassed in some moments for sure. And it's been cool to see that as I've gotten older, I really care a lot less about that. Like I, I think I'm in a really good place now where I no longer you know, shame will still like creep up from time to time for sure. But it's not something I'm worried about. I've also kind of figured out some tricks to help me deal with it. The main one is um, oh, what's it called? Microblading. It's it's something that a lot of people with trichotillomania use now. It wasn't a resource that was available back then, but it's basically like a semi-permanent tattoo. And so like right now I have my eyebrows um, microbladed. So it's a semi-permanent tattoo. And that's been like a lifesaver because I don't have to worry about has my eyebrow rubbed off? Do I only have one eyebrow? Do I look, you know, not how I want to (laughs) look? So that's been so nice. And I know a lot of people are really glad to have that resource um, now. And I've even come to embrace like the fact that I don't have eyelashes most of the time. Sometimes I'm able to grow them back, which has been major. It's been huge growth, which I can share about later. But Right now, for example, I have no eyelashes and I've come to embrace it actually. Like I really, I always feel really proud when I can grow them out, but when I don't have them, it feels like, well, this it's kind of like a unique part of me and it's like part of my story and I've learned to sort of embrace it and not really feel so self-conscious about not having eyelashes most of the time. Sometimes it comes up, especially because I'm in the dance world, which is very like, you have glitter, you have the big eyelashes, you have the whatever, but I can always put on fake lashes for those events when I need to perform and kind of have that going on. So it still creeps up from time to time, but for the most part, I'm actually in a really good place with it as far as like embracing not having eyebrows or eyelashes. All right, it's time for a quick break. And let's get back to it. That's good. And I'm glad that you talked about growth. I definitely want to hear about your growth metaphorically and literally as well too, but The other thing I was curious about too is I know obviously with any other mental disorder or mental illness, it's going to be different for every person depending on whatever diagnosis they have. So I'm curious in your experience, do you find or have you found that, you know, either through age or growing up and going through these phases that you could identify times that you were doing it more like if were there triggers or were there specific phases or things going on in your life that that you would recognize that you were doing it more often or was it seemingly just kind of random like you said to scratch that itch yeah what a great question so this is something I would say when I was in my early 20s is when I finally started to be able to identify patterns uh, more accurately and get on top of these sorts of things I 
What helped is I went to go see a therapist who actually knew about this disorder. It wasn't until then that I that I honestly realized if I feel an urge to pull, it's because first I had an anxious thought or an anxious feeling. And then the urge came. Before it just felt random and just felt like I wanted to pull all the time and it had no rhyme or reason. But then with the help of this therapist, I realized, oh, like it's it's tied directly to a very specific moment where I had a very specific thought and she had me journal. Every time you feel the urge to pull, pause and write down the thought that you had before, which can be really hard because a lot of times these thoughts are completely unconscious. You don't realize that you're thinking anxious thoughts. Um, So it's been a journey to become more familiar with my thoughts and actually being able to recognize them. Because I kind of always thought I wasn't that anxious of a person, which is hilarious now because I realized, oh, I've been quite anxious. And in fact, this trichotillomania often presents for people who are like perfectionists who um, are just always, always, always trying to be perfect. It's a common thread um, among people who develop this disorder. And so that's been a helpful realization to realize that my perfectionism creates anxious thoughts, which then results in, um, in pulling. And so that being able to identify that has been really key in understanding. And in some ways, I've actually grown to love my trichotillomania because it serves as a messenger. Because if I feel the urge to pull, well, it's trying to tell me something. And if I can learn how to work with it, and then when I feel that urge, I can pause and go, okay, clearly you're feeling anxious. I didn't even know I was feeling anxious, but what what's there? What's going on? And I can really kind of attend to myself and my needs which I'm not always very in touch with. And so my trichotillomania can serve as sort of a, yeah, just a messenger. And if I learn to work with it, it can actually be quite helpful. It can almost be a tool for me. And, you know, never thought I'd say back when I hated it and had so much shame around it. It was so hard. I just so badly didn't want to have this disorder. And I mean, it would still be great to just not have it. But since I do have it, there's a lot that I can learn from it, actually. And um, it's been... A helpful tool just in my own kind of personal growth journey. Uh, wow, I feel very connected to that underlying theme of having this perfectionism and anxiety that just manifests in its own way. And um, I know that's something I've really dealt dealt with as an adult. So it's really interesting again to just see how many people around the world are just navigating life, you know, with these things, and it manifests differently for for different people. So speaking of growth, and I know you've kind of talked a little bit of just now too, like this metaphorical growth that you have, I think it's really beautiful of kind of seeing this idea of that, yes, you know, it's something that you experience, but it's taught you to be almost more in tune with your feelings or kind of have this layer of new self, self-awareness self and, and growth. So what, what does growth look like um, for you? You can answer growth however you want to. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. Yeah, there's something kind of cool about the the different layers of growth. It's like, it feels like there's like this physical representation of my internal growth when I see my eyelashes growing. But yeah, so growth for me, my, so I, I touched on this a little bit, but I'll go a little bit deeper in. Growth for me looks like being more in touch with my emotions. So I've talked a bit about like the anxiety and the anxious thoughts, but something else that's been major for me in my growth journey is being more in touch with my full 
range of emotions as a human, including my sadness, my anger, those kinds of quote unquote bad emotions, which I no longer see as bad, but I used to. I used to think that in order to chase this idea of being the perfect person, then that the perfect person is happy all the time. The perfect person is positive all the time. They're always joyful. They're never difficult. And so I became this person who really repressed their sadness and their anger. And I didn't even know I had it. Like I was sort of, I didn't even know I was repressing it. I was sort of touch with it. I just thought I was a happy being a hundred percent of the time, which obviously that's impossible. You can't be happy all the time. And so growth for me has looked like learning what my emotions look like and feel like. It looks like being able to express them more and more. I'm definitely still on the journey. There's still a lot for me to learn, but the last few years in particular, I've made a lot of growth in this and just realizing, okay, this is what I have anger. This is what it feels like and looks like for me. It's different than what it looks like and feels like for other people. And my anger is a messenger. My sadness is a messenger. They're not bad emotions that make me a bad person. They make me human and they're important. And the more sort of human I feel because of just being more in touch with my different emotions and parts of myself, the more growth I have. And so it was like before I was just like, I was spending so much energy containing all of this anger and sadness. And with my trichotillomania, it was like all that anger and sadness had to come out, but I wasn't allowing it to come out naturally. So it came out through hair pulling. That was, it felt like I was taking out my anger and my sadness, but it wasn't really, um, it just kind of distracted me from it for a moment. Yeah. So I feel like growing and understanding my emotions, understanding my trichotillomania as a messenger. Um, I feel more whole just as a person and then um, in my ability to be in touch with my different emotions. And as I grow in that way, I often see growth, you know, physically through my eyelashes coming through, my eyebrows coming out. And so that's been amazing to see because I went... 17 years without being able to stop pulling. Um, and at the 17 year mark, once I was doing this emotional work that I'm talking about is when I began to be able to have some control over it. And I went, I was counting at some point, I can't remember what day I got to, but I got to like 200 something days without pulling. And that was like, I just never thought that that would be in the cards for me. I just kind of had accepted that this is something that um, I'll have for the rest of my life. And I, I more or less made peace with it. But it's been so beautiful to see that this is something that I can learn how to be on top of. I can learn how to work with it instead of seeing it as my enemy. I can I can grow with it and, and learn how to work with it. That's so beautiful. I love the phrase of it being a messenger for your emotions. I think that's such a unique way of thinking about it. And I think that can translate to other mental illnesses or disorders or manifestations that people might might have that um, there may be some mannerisms that you're doing that could just be a messenger for something underlying deeper in your heart that might just take some some layering to find. But 
Marissa, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I've learned a lot. This is one of the most educational episodes I know for me personally. Um, is there, I know you mentioned, um, you know, a couple of resource centers. You also mentioned that you're a dancer. I just want to give you some time to shout out, you know, anybody that you want to shout out, including yourself, if people want to learn more about you and connect with you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't, I think mostly I just want to get the message out about Chibitomi in general, because it's not often talked about. Um, some celebrities are starting to open up about it, like Amy Schumer, Justin Timberlake, Trevor Theron. These are celebrities that actually have Chibitomi. And so mostly I just want to share that there are resources out there. Um, there are centers. The, the Chibitomi Learning Center is the one that's been particularly helpful for me if anybody listening um, has this disorder. Um, but no, I I do have an Instagram at Marissa Craig Dance. I mostly post dance content, but every now and then I'll post things about my trichotillomania. Um, so you can find me there. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Jenny. This has been amazing to be able to share my story in this way. I'm so glad. Thank you for being on it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, all of the things. Thank you to all the supporters and sponsors of What's On Your Mind. Check out jannyrod.com for my latest updates. Well, friends, until next week.